What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafal Matuszewski, and this is a recap of my top three most listened episodes in 2023. Uh, we're kicking it off with episode 602, where I talk about how negativity can hold you back from your success. And this was my most listened episode of 2023, and I think this goes back to why the bigger picture matters compared to how many exercises should I do in my workout, how many calories I should be taking in on a daily basis. But if the bigger picture of your life is not figured out, then you're not going to see your success. And then the second most listened episode is a lengthy episode on knee pain. And there's no surprise here that probably all of us have experienced some sort of knee pain while training. So in that episode, I go into depth of why you get knee pain and what can influence it and what you should be doing to prevent it. And then the last one is looking at the bigger picture. Because like I said before, if we don't cover all bases of our life to ensure that it's going to support our goals when it comes to fitness and health, we're not going to see success. We're just going to be running our wheels in circle and not get anywhere. So I'm going to stop rambling and allow you to listen to these amazing three episodes that were the most listened in 2023. Here we go. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and we have another compilation-styled episode where we're going to talk about negativity. I did a three-part series on this topic, and I think right now, especially at least in my life, I've been having lots of negative thoughts with what's going on, and I wanted to bring these back to light, and I think I've recorded this about um, a year ago, but... Honestly, they still hold true today, and honestly, negativity can erode your entire life when it comes to trying to achieve any fitness goal out there. So I really wanted to shed some more detailed light on this topic to kind of give you some tools to make sure you succeed this week and going into this year. So let's get right into it. Here's episode 512. 514 and 515 on negativity. What is up on my podcast uh, listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski. And again, I got my little stabilizer that will <clears throat> follow me around and hopefully it doesn't freak out if my face moves too quickly. Um, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. One, I really miss these car sessions but you know my life has kind of been flipped upside down with the flooding of my place but I digress um, I want to talk about negativity today we're gonna get right into it without me rambling um, I think this particular topic people overlook so much when it comes to any facet of their life when it comes to something as difficult as weight loss, starting a exercise routine, getting more mobility, getting pain-free, whatever you know your goal is. Having a negative environment, having negative people, and having negative relationships in your life 
will sure as shit make sure that you won't be successful. I've seen it so many times in my clients' lives as well as my own life. And I always tell people that in order for you to be successful in weight loss, imagine if you had a partner at home that didn't truly support your endeavors when it came to you know being consistent, going to the gym, or um, you know you trying to cook healthier, prep for the week, go to sleep earlier, cut down on the booze, cut down going out to eat, things like that, and they kind of just looked out for themselves. Then, you know, you're probably not gonna be that successful, right? I, it kind of comes to a shock to me where I've worked with couples before and just hearing one side of it where say the husband, wife, whoever decides to take health as a priority and they'll tell me that their partner's not really into it and sometimes even puts them down or makes fun of them if they were, you know, trying to get an extra session in when they're trying to go away on vacation or little things like that. This, like, we live in such a fast-paced world where little things, little jabs, without you, you even knowing you're getting, can build up to a large fallout. I've seen it so many times in couples where one's really, really passionate about their health, the other one could care less. And that becomes a tough dynamic. You know, I would f imagine that it feels really difficult where you have this routine of like, I don't know, every Friday night you go out and buy like pub food and you overeat, you over drink and you do that week in, week out, month after month, year after year and you're like, well, why aren't I losing weight? I've seen way too many people destroy a week's worth of, you know, a perfect diet and a perfect uh, training week with one or two days over the weekend where you binge like crazy, you know? And step one, honestly, is to have a better relationship with your spouse or just having a talk because you don't have to assume or expect that your spouse or partner is going to jump on the bandwagon of health with you. Right, so it's unfair for them and unfair for you to assume that they're gonna do the same thing. Reality is, you need to discuss it with them because as much as you're your own person, when it comes to having a partner in your life, everything needs to be discussed. And this is why like a lot of relationships end up failing because someone buys something fucking expensive that's not needed like a I don't know, fucking 70 inch TV and it costs five grand to buy and you didn't consult with your partner, that's probably gonna stir up some shit, you know? And then people are surprised that their, you know, relationships are not doing well. So same thing with fitness and health. Like if you are serious about it, you need to make sure your partner's on board with it and supports it. Even though they're not going to join you, going to the gym, going to this class, going on this walk, joining a run group, whatever the fuck it is, you need to make sure they're 100% on board and will be there to support you. I remember one of my 
first clients, she was so gung-ho to make sure that she stays on top of her health and focuses on herself and like she found exercise was like a great source of mental relief and like that was her mental health. And her husband was the complete opposite, just did not care, you know, had one of those labor jobs so he felt that um, that was enough to stay active and healthy. And I remember signing up for this obstacle course race with my client and he came with her. He was there at the start line. He was chatting with me and all the other people uh, participating. He was like so supportive. He's like, oh, you guys are gonna have like such a great time. This looks so cool. And he was not like personally into it at all, but because he knew his partner was all about it, he showed his support, his enthusiasm for it. Now, if you had someone like that rooting in your corner like a fucking cheerleader, 100% you would be super, super successful. Whereas if you had someone that when you came home, they're just sitting on their ass on the TV, doesn't pay attention to you, and you're trying to tell them about your workout or like that you signed up for a 10K now that you've done your 5K and they're just like, oh, cool, yeah, whatever. Like that's not gonna help you push in any positive direction. So you need to have these serious conversations with your partners that, hey, this is what I'm gonna be doing. I need you for support. I don't expect you to fall under the same thing that I wanna do, but you need to be there for me when I need it. And if they're for it, like usually when you have that conversation, they're like, oh shit, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm with you on this. So worst case, they're just like, uh-huh, yep. And no, that's already a red flag. Like, I'm not going to get this whole podcast episode into, like, relationship advice because I don't think I'm nowhere near at a point where I could, even though I have 15 years of marriage under my belt. Well, not marriage. Being in, this, in the same relationship with the same woman and being married for five years. But um, I think I have a little bit of, uh, you know, say in uh, relationship advice. But... Um, moving on from just like partners like your close friends if your close circle of friends are same thing constantly going to the bar every single weekend having drinks having this having that there's nothing wrong about doing like social things but if it's like every single weekend you're having that burger beers drinks dessert whatever it is over and over again probably not going to help you get towards your goals and there's nothing wrong with like enjoying those things, but if you are serious about improving your health and it becomes a habit, it's very hard to break out of it because then Friday turns into, spills into Saturday and you have two days during the week where you're having drinks, having junk food, it's gonna add up. And the same thing, you can have a conversation with your friends about, hey, like I'm really passionate about my health right now, so I might not have drinks next time we go out. Like, you, you can do a 50-50 and do slow transitions. Like, I've had a lot of people in my life where they absolutely, absolutely loved to drink beer, take shots, whatever it is, and then now they're sober because they've realized that drinking in social settings doesn't actually enhance their um, time in a positive way. Sometimes it just takes 
you know, just going out, you know, change the scenery because if you're like me, you're going in and out of work every single day, week after week, and sometimes, you know, things, days blend into each other, and you're like, oh shit, it's already Friday, like I haven't even thought about what I'm supposed to do this weekend, so sometimes just going out with friends and just dishing it out and talking shit and, you know, being social helps cut through that, but again, I'm not a person who advocates drinking or not drinking. Like I personally love having a beer or two. I love whiskey, but I'm not taking it to a point where I'm like every Friday and every Saturday, I'm gonna have at least four to six beers or like have six shots of my whiskey because that's what I do. It's like, no, I usually have two drinks and that's it. That's my, like that's all I need because I, I just drink for the taste. Like I really thoroughly enjoy a good craft beer and good whiskey, but some people use it as an escape and that's a whole another discussion that you'd have to get into but i want you and i think i'm going to do a part two to this i want you to start thinking about the negative thoughts the negative people in your life and how you could possibly influence a little change in your life where you could maybe get rid of it maybe have some tough conversations maybe even cut some people out of your life so i'm gonna end it there hopefully you enjoyed my little ramble that was just under 11 minutes if you have any questions feel free to reach out hit the show notes add me on facebook add me on instagram and also subscribe to my youtube channel because i post a lot of content a lot and the more subscribers i have the more people i'm going to reach the more people i'm going to help so it's on you guys to help me grow this thing as much as me. So until next time, that's it. What's up, my podcast listeners? This um, this is take two of this episode because I was uh, driving and everything was recording. I had the video going and... For some reason, when I went to go, you know, strip the audio and upload everything, um, the video recorded, but the audio wasn't there. It started like 10 minutes in, and now I have to redo <laughs> this episode. So I apologize for those who like to watch me when I do these episodes, but I guess I have to redo my my thing on this episode so bear with me i'm gonna try to remember everything that i said on my drive here so last week we talked about negativity we kind of focused on you know the environment the people and how it can influence your success with weight loss and every other facet in life so today we're going to kind of really spearhead people and if you've been following my show for a while you know that I have brought up this topic an idea of constantly auditing your inner circle and to some it may sound a little harsh um, but in the end it is worthwhile because when you have negative people in your life, they tend to suck the soul out of you without even knowing. And then that 
influences who you are as a person, who you are at work, at home, everything. So I want to give an example. And before I even get into this example, because my brain's kind of all over the place with this, um, trying to remember back to my first take on this is, there is a saying that the five people that you spend most time with becomes the sum of who you are physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, you name it, you become the sum of who they are. So now maybe think about who are the five people that you spend, you know, your time with the most friends, family, your partner, just start really, really start thinking about that. Maybe you spend time with a coworker that you absolutely hate, but you're forced to work with them. They influence who you become as a person. And that's a scary thought. And this is why I put a huge emphasis on eliminating negative people out of my own life. And sometimes it becomes a very hard situation, becomes a very difficult conversation to have or it's one of those band-aids you just need to rip to finally feel free. I want to share a personal example of mine. I had a friend who was in my life for about seven years and they were always kind of on that side of like no filter, they say what's on their mind, they're very direct type A personality. And for the longest time, I was just like, oh, you know, that's who they are. That's how they navigate through life. And seven years ago, and even like a couple years ago, I was a very much a person where I just wanted everyone else around me to be okay. I wanted everyone else to be happy on good terms, everything for them. And, you know, that categorizes me as an empath. And you know, it's a good trait to have, but sometimes empaths tend to forget about themselves. And that's where I kind of fell into. Now, the tough thing is I allowed this behavior to continue. I never stood up for myself. I never said, hey, you know, that's kind of taking it too far. And a couple examples of this is like, imagine having someone in your life for seven years where say you're really excited about something. And in my case, there was like times where I was like really excited to sign up for a course or, you know, I was thinking about this thing for my business and right away they would shut it down and be like, why would you want to do that? That is a terrible idea. Rather than having someone supportive where they're like, oh yeah, that sounds so cool. Like, tell me more about it. Like, wouldn't that be nice to have in your life that when you bring up something you're excited about, maybe you're a little vulnerable about it and having someone being like, bro, or I got you. That is awesome. I can't wait for you to accomplish that. But instead have someone take that little glimmer of hope and just pull it down and throw that shit away different outlook on the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year in your life when you have someone like that. Now, 
the times where I wanted to be myself, the same person would shoot it down. Like, why the hell are you wearing that? You look like an idiot. Or they would make fun of me showing my true personality. And that takes a hit on your emotional and spiritual level quite a bit to a point where to this day I have tendencies where I don't feel comfortable expressing who I am fully. And it just takes time. And like, you know, I haven't had contact with this person for, let's say, five years. But the scars are still there, you know? So imagine having a person like this in your life. And maybe you already have someone like this. Maybe this person's been around for seven years, kind of like my situation. Now imagine if you were able to eliminate that toxic relationship, that toxic cancerous person in your life, how much your life would improve. I remember where I just cut the tie completely. I just cut it off, ripping the bandaid off. And the weight that was lifted off my shoulder, shoulders, and life, I I can't even put into words how amazing it felt to have that relief of that this person's never going to show up in my life again and I can be who I am. And as hard as it was, the moment I let go, my life transformed my business improved, my happiness level improved, my confidence like soared through the fucking roof. I was more ambitious. My relationship improved. And the interesting thing with all of this is, you know, I've been with my wife for 15 years and she's been telling me during that seven year period of this friendship that they were toxic But again, I was too nice of a person to be like, no, I don't want to, you know, go ahead and say anything because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. But sometimes you just need to step in and take care of the shit. And kind of going back to trying to show who I am and having those scars, I remember, you know, finding a new friend and they were such a supportive person. They were so had such an optimistic view on life. And anytime I showed my true self, they were like, yes, I love it. And I was like, Oh, this is like the first time where I could feel safe to do something like this. And the amount of personal growth I had from this whole experience is ridiculous and I honestly contribute it contribute like my success that I've seen so far in my life to that pivotal moment where I started eliminating negative people in my life. So imagine for me this was just one person. Imagine for you if you did one person every couple of years. But they truly have to be someone that pull, like you physically feel like they pull you into the ground. And the sad thing about this is sometimes you don't realize it, like in my case. But I'm so thankful that I had my wife 
that was able to see past that because it's a little bit different when you have someone on the outside looking in and they understand you as a person, they care for you. You need to surround yourself with people that will lift you up, be positive, and will be there when you fall. This is the biggest stuff that I always talk about. And something as simple as the people that you hang around with are probably going to impact your success rate on weight loss. Because when you have negative people in your life, you tend to be negative. You tend to have a really bad outlook on life. Your motivation goes down to shit. So how are you supposed to use that to better yourself? It's going to be very difficult. So I'm going to leave it at that because I know I can chat for a really long time and end up being here for an hour talking about my past life experiences. But this was kind of fun um, going more into a kind of serious thing because usually when I do my podcasts in the car, the short ones, is just like on the fly and whatever comes up comes up. But because I had to do this a second time, I really dove into how I felt. And I think that was kind of a good thing. So I guess it was a blessing in disguise. But um, thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry if there's no video. Um, I look like absolute horseshit to actually film and record at the same time. But um, thank you so much for the support. You guys are amazing. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel by hitting the show notes and also adding me on Facebook and Instagram so you can see all the stuff that I'm posting about fitness and health. And that is it for me, you guys. Until next time. What is up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafam Shevsky, and I am hoping that my audio does not cut out and get delayed like it did last time but the only thing is that my tracking capabilities is not going to happen on this one so I apologize so I'm going to have to manually move my hand in order for you to see my entire face so I'm going to get right into it because this is probably going to be just a 10 minute episode And we're going to get into part three of our negativity series. So we kind of covered, you know, auditing your inner circle, the people in your life, figuring out how to do that, having those difficult conversations. But uh, the other facet of this equation is your environment. And yes, people are a part of your environment, but there are some environments that not only do they have negative people, but they also have negative, I wouldn't say feelings, like the best way to describe it is just the environment itself, right? Because usually people who are toxic and negative, they kind of create this aura of negativity around them and then that kind of bleeds into um, where you are. So the example I'm going to use is your work environment. How many times have you had a job where, oh now you can't see me, (laughs) this stabilizer I tell you, Um, where you know there's a group of people, one person, 
that you can tell that you don't get along with and they can influence so much in your work environment where you end up feeling depressed, alone, um, just unmotivated, and that can spill into your personal life. It's one thing to like work in an environment like that, but you know you have that one coworker, that one person in your life where they really make the difference of your workplace where you're like, you know what, just because of this one person, I'm, I'm going to continue coming. And I've actually had this happen to me where I was in a really shitty work environment and I had a couple people where we became really good friends, my coworkers, and they were the only reasons why, you know, I put up with the bullshit. And the moment they left, holy shit, did I realize I was in a bad situation. Like, I felt trapped. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And that was when I realized how much, you know, people can influence your happiness levels. Like, I can't imagine um, for anyone who goes to a work environment where everything and everyone is causing you some sort of distress and it only takes one person to make it worthwhile and then they leave and then you are on your own. And sometimes that's the wake-up call where you're like, shit, I need to reevaluate my work situation. Because over the years of working, like I've been working since I was like 15 years old. So I've had a lot of jobs throughout my career. And when I took on jobs, I would always pick up extra shifts. I would always do this. I would always go above and beyond. And I've seen so many different managers. I've seen so many different um, employees come and go. And the biggest thing that I've seen is that when you don't have a good work environment, holy shit, does your life get terrible. Because if you really think about it, the average person works 40 hours a week at their job. And if you're one of those people who has a job that <clears throat> requires um, more than the 40 hours and you're bringing work home and you have that added stress, you're probably not going to be very happy and you're not, probably not going to be very motivated to put out a little bit more effort, right? Because when it comes to fitness and health, it's putting an extra effort to make it happen, right? So if I could influence my work environment to support me and not the other way around, because that's what most businesses are, is they want to be supported by the workers. But most businesses kind of lose the vision of you're there to support your workers, not the other way around. When you do that, the business ends up <clears throat> becoming successful. Like it's not rocket science. Treat your human beings in your building with dignity, integrity, and empathy, and they end up going above and beyond for the company. Like, <laughs> like the amount of stories I've heard from other people or even clients and people who I interview for my clinic where they've had shitty managers and shitty coworkers that do some nasty stuff and 
they ended up staying there for two years and the two years that they were there were completely miserable like fuck if i was in that environment i I would probably not work out either like you need to surround yourself not only with people that will help you you know elevate your life but also the environments that you are in and work environments are probably one of the places that we spend the most time so if you're working in a place that one doesn't appreciate who you are and what you do you should probably now start looking for a different place right my challenge is that i want god my throat what is going on my challenge for you guys is to improve your work environment just by 10 percent right i know it's a scary thought to like you know what i'm jumping ship i'm gonna jump both of my feet out see if you can you know change the work environment by by 10 percent like imagine being happier by 10 percent that's huge but sometimes it's out of your control like sometimes companies are just stuck in their ways your manager is an asshole and your coworkers are ding-dongs and you can't do anything about it so it might be time to look for other options because i swear like there are places out there that respect their employees that don't hire ding-dongs like i said before and you can thrive imagine this place that you spend the most time in gives you you know purpose it gives you feeling it gives you a sense of belonging it gives you a sense of your doing more to help the world you're gonna have like unlimited motivation to do anything and that's where prioritizing fitness and health comes in imagine you know you wake up tomorrow and you're like fuck yeah another new day can't wait to go to work can't wait to crush it and then i'm gonna go to the gym and do the same thing like that's a huge huge difference than waking up and going fuck it's only tuesday i need to get through eight hours somehow today and try to keep people off my radar because they're micromanaging me and then i need to go to the gym because my health is shit and people keep telling me that i need to exercise and then when that eight hour day is done you're probably going to talk yourself out of going to the gym right it's like (laughs) there's so many things that influence your success and negativity is a huge one huge and i've seen this with so many people and sometimes like if you really ask somebody if they had a high paying job but they're completely miserable at it if you ask them like if you took a 30 percent pay cut but you were happy every single day would you take it people in a heartbeat would take it and actually funny enough i think maybe two years ago i think uh Harvard Business, I believe, did a little like survey study about this where they asked a bunch of employees at various different, uh, it's called uh, businesses, where they were unhappy. What's going on, everyone? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today we are going to talk about um, the knee. Because I keep doing these polls on my Instagram where I keep asking people, you know, what are 
are the few injuries you've had this past year. Um, and one thing that amazes me is that, you know, the little back always popped up, but the number two most injured area was um, the knee, which makes sense to me because the knee is one of those funny joints where um, it takes on a lot of stress when it's placed in non-optimal positions. And I wanted to kind of elaborate on that a little bit today because I find that the biggest thing that people need to understand is what are the mechanisms of injury and the more education you get on the topic the better way for you to navigate your next step because you know now that i've been posting all of this injury stuff a lot of comments and dms that i get is you know oh i never knew about this thing that you said or i wish i knew this prior to my injury and i think the biggest gap out there is a lot of people don't understand their injury they don't understand their body and the scariest thing is that we live and breathe in these vessels every single day and we don't really know much about it and i always make the um, analogy that we know more about our own cars than our own bodies which is a scary thought and that's why i feel i have this platform to help educate people because when you get injured, it's a scary time. You know, you don't know what's going on. You just put your trust into whatever medical professional you go to, but you don't know if that is the best route for you. So today we're going to cover the knee and what I've seen in clinic, what I've seen with my clients, and what I've seen with myself. And... I think the biggest thing that people need to understand is a lot of times when the knee gets injured, it's due to not uh, the knee itself, but it's usually due to what's going on in the hip and what's going on with the ankle. And we're going to kind of dive deep into that because those two things, if you work on them, it tends to clear up knee pain. You know, so injury happens in two ways. Um, an external force goes through the knee. Say you're, you know, you're playing soccer and someone comes across and you know knocks you over and puts a lot of pressure into the knee, and then the tendons and ligaments break because they can't take that external force. Uh, the other one is just repetitive use over and over and over again, where the knee's put into a non-optimal position. So I've already mentioned that earlier. So what is a non-optimal position? Um, for the general population, there's always caveats to everything that we say on this podcast, but um, say that you are working out and you are doing squats because, you know, most people's programs have squats in them and say that your knees tend to cave in. And let's just for the sake of this episode, um, one knee in particular likes to cave in. Let's say it's your right side. The right knee always caves in just a little bit, not like anything crazy, just a little bit towards your midline of your body. So imagine you squatting down and your right knee kind of goes in this way just a little bit and then back up. Now, is that a bad thing? Mm, yes or no. But for the regular person that may not have enough mobility in their body, which we're going to cover in a second, 
um, that little motion can actually cause a lot of damage. So I'm not saying that your knee is going to explode right there and then. It's that repetitive nature. So imagine, you know, you're getting really consistent at the gym. You've been going for four months straight and every workout you do some sort of squat variation and that's where you get that little valgus collapse, that knee collapse that we've been talking about. And that strain over time will cause irritation and inflammation and some other stuff that causes pain at the knee. And then out of, out of sudden, you do that one rep where you're like, oh, that felt off. Like, oh, that my knee does not feel good. And then the next day it gets worse. The next day after that gets even worse where you can't even move the knee. And it's like a sharp pain and you're like, what the hell? I've been really consistent at the gym. I've been doing all the right things. And now my knee hurts. Now, for me, when I get um, a client to you know, come see me and they are trying to get out of this painful pattern because usually what people do is they stop training altogether or they'll stop doing lower body to give the knee a rest. And, you know, that can work for the short term. But if you're trying to, you know, nip this in the bud and get better, get stronger in that knee so you can do more lower body exercises, then you have to go a different route. Now, my first thing I always tell people to do is go see a physio, go see a chiro, RMT, whatever it is to get out of that acute state and then work on some really specific things. So now imagine you're a client of mine, you come to me, you explain what happened, you've been struggling with this knee thing and personally, I do not care about your knee. I care more about your hip and ankle. So the first thing I assess is hip mobility and ankle mobility. Because imagine your knee is dictated by those two things. If your hip doesn't move the way it should, your knee is going to go in these weird directions and places where it shouldn't. So in this case, in this scenario, that knee collapse going inward to your midline over and over and over again when you do things like squats. And same thing with the ankle. The ankle doesn't, you know, move the right way between, you know, your tib and fib and your talus, then your knee is going to end up doing weird things again too. Now imagine if I had you as an individual coming to see me and both your hip and ankle don't move the way it should. They don't act like a hip and ankle joint should. Now, we have a huge problem. It doesn't matter how much rehab you do for your knee or how much treatment you do for your knee, it's going to continually to flare up. And that's the biggest thing that people miss in a rehab setting. They get the painful site, which in this case is the knee, to settle down and feel a little bit better, but they don't actually go down to the root cause. That's where the magic happens. Get to the root cause of what's causing the knee injury. It's not the exercise. It's the joints above and below. It's very similar. I make this analogy all the time. If you saw a you know leak in your ceiling, you're not going to just patch up the leak on your ceiling to make sure it doesn't have that you know watermark. 
you're going to go, oh, there's probably a pipe above that's causing that leak. So I'm going to go fix that pipe, then patch up the thing. But most of the time when people deal with injury, they just patch up that water circle that's on their ceiling and hope for the best. So attacking hip mobility and ankle mobility is going to be the biggest payoff. Now, how do we do that? First of all, you need a thorough assessment, and that's why I do that with every single person. So if I can get the hip moving better, and my first two things that I attack is hip external rotation and internal rotation, and that just gives you a lot more capsular space. So if you think about the squat, maybe the reason why your squat is not the most optimal because that knee is constantly caving in, then maybe you need more room in the capsule. And in order to squat, you need adequate hip flexion, hip external rotation, internal rotation, and extension when you get to the top. So the easiest way to get all those four things is hip external rotation and internal rotation. So there's no matter of traditional strength exercise out there that's going to give you all those four things like it, it just won't happen. So this is where kin stretch comes into play where, you know, I can take that client that's dealing with knee pain and build them a better hip by attacking hip external internal rotation with things like pails and rails, active range liftoffs, passive range liftoffs to build better anatomy, right? This whole idea of building anatomy sounds strange to many people, but when you do a traditional strength exercise, you're building better anatomy. You're building the at the you know cellular level to adapt to the force you're putting into your muscle belly to get stronger to produce more force to lay down better tissue so then the next time you squat you can do more right me building a better hip with kin stretch is the same principle but it's just we're attacking it a little bit differently we're going deeper we're going into the connective tissue and not the stuff on the outside now when we achieve this, you have more room. Imagine if you, you know, have your socket of a joint and your femur here, and it should be able to move freely in all these different positions. And I've brought this up before, but imagine if you start squatting and say you start driving up this way and say you don't have enough room in here, you kind of get stuck. So then something needs to go to, you know, cheat the movement. And that's where usually the knee caves in and then somehow you have more room. Now, the other thing too, is that, you know, even though we're attacking hip mobility in this case and we improve it, sometimes that's not enough. And there's two ways to go at this. I would also obviously assess the other hip. And the funny thing is, is when I see, you know, one side where the knee caves in, Imagine that, you know, in your head, say these two are your pelvis and, you know, pelvises can move interdependently as you're going down into the squat and you know that your right hip is limited and your knee above, uh, below is going to cave in. It's naturally going to do this. It's going to rotate like this. Now in my head, if it's rotating this way, it also most likely means that this left hip probably doesn't have enough hip mobility as well. And a lot of times 
when I assess the opposite hip, it actually has less hip mobility than the side that has the knee pain. So imagine left hip and right hip have shitty hip mobility, but the left side is worse. So every time you squat, your pelvis does this over and over again. A lot of times when people have that knee pain, they might also have low back pain, right? And you can see how this whole you know, system of our body works as one unit. And this is where, too, a lot of times in bodybuilding, they get injured all the time because they're trying to separate every single muscle to have maximal growth. But in reality, every muscle blends in with each other and almost becomes as one unit. So when we start understanding that, then injury becomes very easy to solve. At least for me, when I come up with ideas for programming and getting people moving better. Now, if I can get these hips to move perfectly, well, perfectly down into a descent of a squat, then that knee does not have to work as hard. Now, the other thing to look at is ankle mobility. A lot of people don't like think about this. So imagine like this is your foot and then this is kind of like your shin bone. So as you're squatting, the bottom of your foot has to go into dorsiflexion as you come down. So where your toes kind of get closer to your shins. Now imagine if you have an ankle joint. So this is the top of your shin. This is the bottom of your foot. If you don't have enough mobility to do this, it kind of just gets stuck. And now where are you going to try to get more ankle mobility when you come down into your squat? the knee is going to do a weird thing because ideally as you come up this also moves into external rotation because the knee the entire knee itself can actually go into internal and external rotation it gives you room to squat down but a lot of times people don't have that again and this is the thing that i always go back to is you know People are doing exercises onto a body that has no business doing those exercises. And a lot of times people pick up these exercises because they're, you know, known around the world and, you know, they see it on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and they just assume that that's what they can do. But the people that they're watching online move really well. You know, they have the ability to do those things repetitively over and over and over and over again. And they may not even know that they actually have that good of mobility in each joint to do those things. And then they start spewing out information like, yeah, you need to do this exercise, this exercise, this thing, and this thing, and you're going to get those glutes that you've always wanted. You know, even for me, like I literally posted yesterday about um, four exercises for glutes, and it was like, deadlifts, hip thrust, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, those are great exercises. But you as an individual, do you have all the prerequisites in order to do those things? Most likely not, right? And when I actually do post those, sometimes people will message me and they're like, yeah, these are great exercises. My back didn't hurt every time I did them. And it's like, yeah, you don't have the prerequisites to do it. So in this case with knee pain, this individual, if you had knee pain in the past, you most likely don't have the prerequisites to do any kind of squatting. And most people who have that knee pain, if they're in actual gym setting, they're probably doing some sort of like back squat. And that's a whole nother animal that 
I would have to attack. But if you think about what you need in a back squat, you need adequate ankle mobility, tibial rotation, hip mobility, um, spinal mobility, especially in your T-spine, shoulder mobility. Like that's a lot of stuff. And on top of that, you also need to have, you know, bracing strategies. You need to have some sort of level of, um, of a foundation to do those things. But that's a whole nother topic in itself. But when you come back to the knee, once we understand that everything that we do is so connected and we stop looking at the body as separate sections and one full unit, then getting a better um, knee and a stronger knee is actually quite easy. And I think the biggest thing that people are missing is going to the root cause. You know, people, like I said earlier, they hurt their knee and they just want to get treatment on the knee. They want someone to rub their boo-boo out, but that's not going to set them up for success down the road. So if we can start focusing and placing a bigger emphasis on getting the rest of our body moving better, then all that other like aches and pains in that knee are going to go away. Now, I kind of jumped all over the place, but I think this is kind of a good starting point on educating you guys on pain, on injury, and in this specific episode, the knee. Now, I've already done, I believe, two episodes on the knee itself where we go through the anatomy, we go on some like exercises, but every time um, I bring up any kind of pain topic, my first go-to thing is like, go see physio, chiro, or some sort of medical professional to rule out anything else. Because we haven't even talked about like ACL tears, meniscus tears, things like that, because that can also be a thing. And, you know, all the stuff I spoke about, yeah, I can guide you in the right direction. But if you actually have like an ACL tear, there's going to be a lot of other stuff that you need to consider from surgery to um, no surgery to if you do get surgery, how are they going to reconstruct the ACL? Like there's so many other things and what is the proper progression for ACL rehab? Like there's so many things that we can go into, but I think this is a great starting point. And I think I'm going to end it there because I can probably just spew more and more and more stuff. But if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, we're almost at 600 subscribers, which is crazy to me. Uh, so thank you for all the support. Uh, add me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and share this podcast with your friends and family. And again, if you have any questions, like 100% reach out. I'm more than happy to help. And... Thank you once again, watching me, listening to me. You guys have been amazing until next time. What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host once again, Rafal Matuszewski, and this is another compilation-style episode, and I got three episodes in particular I wanted to bring back to the surface. Um, All of it is big picture stuff. Uh, the stuff that people tend to forget uh, when it comes to successful fat loss, weight loss, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think we all know that 
true success in the fat loss department is beyond um, following a strict diet of foods that you can and can't have and limiting yourself. Really, it's giving yourself more, more tools, more habits, and more um, skills to see true success when it comes to anything health related. So in these three episodes that I brought together, um, one, we talk about how you need to stop dieting. (laughs) Um, And that goes into my whole point earlier about how we need to give ourselves more and not eliminate things out of our life to actually see success. Uh, The second thing is the all or nothing (laughs) concept. Like, I don't understand this that whole logic because if you failed something in your life, you wouldn't just put everything else to shit and then tell yourself, oh, I'm going to start on Monday. Just because you missed one meal or had to go out and eat lunch with somebody and it didn't fall into what you were trying to do in your diet doesn't mean that you need to destroy the rest of the week, the rest of the day, or what have you. It's just, okay, there's a little speed bump. What's the next opportunity for me to improve on my eating habits? So the whole all or nothing principle is just, it needs to resurface because I feel like a lot of people are on that wavelength at this point because of the new year. And then lastly, we have episode 409, where I get into mental health. And I think that is the biggest, lowest hanging fruit that we could go and look at because if our mind is not right, then our body can't do what our mind wants us to do. So I'm going to stop rambling and we can get into these three episodes. So here is episode 407, 409, and 411. Here we go. What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host for Famaja Shevsky, and I'm excited today to chat to you about today's topic. Since we've been kind of going on a trend of tangible um, nutritional things that you can do and habits and strategies um, in order to see success in 2021 in the weight loss department today's topic is that we're gonna do a little reflection piece almost like you need to ask yourself are you dieting wow that came out terribly wrong dieting right now the answer is yes now the next question to ask is like how long have you been dieting because for the most part I find that a lot of people have probably been dieting for the last like five years to finally see success. Or they went down the road of like, they dieted, they saw a lot of success, they're, you know, they lost 10, 20, 30 pounds, and then they're like, okay, now if I can like eat a lot less and move a lot more, I can lose more. And they're in this like nonstop dieting cycle of limiting themselves from every like joy in life and you're at a point where you're miserable and 
food is not exciting anymore, you have low energy, you're angry all the time, or hangry in this case. Um, and the piece of advice I have for you is just stop dieting. Like, people need to understand that dieting is just a certain cycle or phase, if you will, during a certain point of the year. You know, like, I don't diet all year round. Like, I would fucking hate the world if I did. You know, but like once a year, I'll go, okay, no alcohol. I'm going to start ca counting my calories. I'm going to start weighing my food. I'm going to start counting my macros. And voila, it's like, oh shit, I got super shredded out of nowhere. But have I did that? Have I done that this past year in 2020? Fuck no. COVID it hit a huge curveball in everyone's life. So I had no motivation whatsoever to deprive myself. And that's what really a diet is. It's depriving yourself of certain things that you enjoy. Right? It's depriving you of the freedom and um, the autonomy to enjoy your life. Like when you're on a diet and you go out for dinner, there's really limited options of what you can do. And I feel that a lot of people kind of fall into this trap, this like non-stop vicious cycle of, I need to diet, I need to diet, I need to diet. And it's like, you either jump ship from one to another, you're constantly cutting your calories, you're not seeing the success you want. And like from a cellular level, like your body needs to get out of that stressful situation. Because the moment you like go into a, a diet of any kind, you're throwing stress on the body. And you know, your body can't adapt to that stress if it's constantly being overfilled with other stressors in your life, such as um, you could be going through a really stressful time at work, you're trying to work out seven days a week, constantly killing yourself, um, you know, you could be having a baby on the way, and now on top of all that stress, you are trying to, you know, restrict yourself from a lot of different foods that you enjoy. You probably are not in the best mood because of this diet choice that you're on. And you're kind of now kind of stuck. You've stopped seeing success from the original um, diet you went on. And you're just like, fuck this. Like, what am I even doing with my life? So, that being said, you need to stop going through diet to diet to diet to diet. Like, if you had a year, I would suggest you going on, like, a somewhat strict diet for maybe three months and that's it. And then wean yourself off, right, to kind of find that balance. Because that's what your body's trying to constantly do. Like, it does not, like, change. That's why weight loss and weight gain, the right kind of weight gain, is so difficult, right? Like, your body's constantly trying to keep it, like, just steady, smooth, running as per usual. And then here you are being an asshole and dropping a bunch of calories or cutting a, uh, a bunch of calories out of the equation. Your body's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm not going to let you lose weight because I don't know what you're doing to me. I think you're dying, so I'm going to make sure you don't starve to death. Like, things like that, right? So, ideally, if you were to go on a diet and you put your 100% effort in and followed it to a T 
for about three months and then slowly wean off it for another three months, that's where you're actually gonna see true success. People just assume that, oh, I can just diet as much as I want and there's no harm, no foul. Like you really fuck up your hormones big time. Like look at bodybuilder competitors, uh, primarily in the female category, even like figure. You know, they all compete at an early age in their 20s. And then when they get into their like 30s and late 30s, that's when they start seeing the effects of all the terrible <laughs> decisions diet-wise they did with their lives. They'll notice that they can't lose weight as effectively as before. And yes, with age that comes with it, but it's even more difficult for those uh, individuals. And on top of that, usually when women do bodybuilding or um, figure for that matter, you're at such a low body fat percentage that you end up not menstruating. And if you know anything about women's health, your, like, your cycle is your own kind of like health meter. That gives you clues and cues within your own body to see if you're actually healthy. And when women's cycles are all over the place, like all hell breaks loose and you speak to any kind of woman that has an irregular cycle or a really bad period, like shit does not work the way it should. You know, they'll find that their mood is all over the place. They'll find that their energy's not there. They can feel tired all the time. Like now imagine that same person going on a really, really, really strict diet and dehydrating themselves to get a body fat percentage so low that you stop menstruating, and you're telling me that that's not gonna have anything to do with the future of how your body responds to stress. Like, let's be real, you fucked up royally, all right? So now, that's the extreme example, but imagine you constantly uh, preventing your body from having adequate uh, nutrition, sleep, calories, nonstop, year in, year out. Like you're gonna do some damage to your hormones, your adrenals, like your shit that basically regulates your entire body for it to function at an optimal level, right? Like there are portions of time in the year where you can, you know, take away from your body to just get a little response to it, but then you need to be able to adapt to it. It's kind of similar to like, hey, let's work out every single day as hard as fucking possible. Crank your heart rate to like 190 beats per minute for the full hour for three months straight. Like your body is gonna fucking hate you. You can do the same damage to your hormones that regulate everything in your body um, by dieting nonstop, right? So the best kind of strategy for this is to, you know, Pick a diet. I don't even fucking care what it is. You're keto, you're intermittent fasting, whatever it is. You cut your calories, you figure out your macros, and you follow it to a T for three months. Afterwards, you need to slowly wean off the diet. And sometimes people take it too far where they're like, oh, fuck, it's been three months. Now I can eat whatever I want. And they go on this, like, gigantic, like, binge of foods that they haven't had in so long. And they're reintroducing calories so quickly that they actually do more harm than good. They start bloating, they start adding on weight really quickly, and that's not healthy, right? So say you dropped your calories by X amount of 
whatever it is. And now you're done your three-month cycle of whatever diet you chose that fits your lifestyle, you think you can do it, you are happy with the choice you made, and honestly, all you do is slowly increment 200 calories more per day to slowly kind of wean off the stress-filled environment you created in your body. And now your body realizes, oh shit, okay, there's a little bit more calories, I'm okay with this, this is good, we're getting back to normal. And like it varies per, from person to person. Like you can do that for two weeks and then the next two weeks add another 200 calories and kind of figure and find out that sweet spot where you can maintain your results but not feel like you're still depriving yourself, right? Maybe now on the weekend you can like, all right, I'm gonna go out for dinner and not like bring a Tupperware container of my fucking chicken or whatever people do these days on strict diets like maybe you'll go out for dessert like little things like that go a long way and it'll help you keep your sanity like I've been on the spectrum where I literally restricted myself so much and like my body fat percentage was like at five percent but I was like skin and bone but I was shredded and I did not eat any junk junk food in air quotes like at all like I did not eat a chip, I did not drink any pop, I had no alcohol, and I fucking hated life. I honestly really hate, like, I didn't even eat red meat. It was like chicken and fish, complex carbohydrates and just vegetables, and that's it. That's all I fucking ate. And I fucking hated my life. And you know what happened? I went through, like, a vicious cycle of binge eating for years after that. And it took a lot of effort and time to recover. And I still have like reminiscence of small like binge-like behavior. But I literally would binge to a point where I was full and I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna eat the rest of this cake because I won't be able to eat it tomorrow because today's my cheat day. Like dieting really, really Fs you up in the brain and within your hormones, and it will leave permanent scars that you'll have to deal with for the rest of your life. It's not worth it. So the best piece of advice I can give you right now is if you're that person that's been off and on on so many different diets, just stop. Let your body recuperate. Focus on just eating whole foods for like a month and not worry about calories, not worrying about, oh shit, I can't eat past 6 p.m. or any of that kind of bullshit. Just eat like a human being without the stress and then find a diet that's not fucking ridiculous like you're eating only 800 calories but somewhere out in the world you can find a ketogenic diet a fucking vegan diet intermittent fasting whatever it is just follow it to a t don't drop your calories to an asshole amount of like 800 like i mentioned earlier and do that consistently for three months and then slowly wean yourself off and you will be thankful a year from now where you're like, you know what, this is the first year that I haven't put on any weight, I've maintained, I still have you know, my muscle mass from this previous year and I'm good to go. That's it, that's all you gotta do. So I'm gonna leave it there. Hopefully this was helpful. You guys are amazing for continuing listening to me. I wanna do a huge shout out to a city named Ryada. 
Hopefully I spelled that, uh, said that correctly. Um, it is a city out in Saudi Arabia. I've had, within the last 24 hours, over 900 listens from that city. So shout out to everyone in Saudi Arabia listening to my show. That's fucking awesome. You guys are amazing. Um, hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram. I post a lot on there. And hit me up with a five-star review if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, whatever, Stitcher Radio, whatever it is. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are amazing. Until next time. Hello, my lovely podcast listeners. This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski. And we're about to go on freaking ride today you guys um really randomly chatting with my wife last night about how my podcast intros have evolved and she was able to go word for word like what my intros used to be over a year ago and i'm like man even a year ago i felt super super awkward with my intros so hopefully they're they've been getting better so reach out and give me some feedback of what you guys want to see or hear for intros. But um, today what we're going to go after, we have been talking about a lot of like tangible um, things you can do for weight loss. And we've talked about adequate protein, adequate vegetable intake, um, sleep, um, also looking at getting a thorough assessment to see if your body's ready for exercise. And today we're going to kind of veer off of it a little bit, but I feel like it's very timely because we are coming up, at least for me, a year since the closure of my gym and clinic that I work at. And you know, I was kind of reflecting on that, and I think it's going to hit home harder for me when the specific post goes out, but um, I was just thinking to myself that, you know, many of us this year have dealt with some definite bullshit and probably got to a point where more bullshit came into your life. And then some more came into your life. And then when you thought that it was over with, even more fell into your lap. And you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with all this bullshit? That being said, when shit like that happens, and I would say during a pandemic, it kind of gets magnified by at least 10 or, I don't know, fucking 50 times making it worse. um, Our mental health definitely takes a toll. And when our mental health is not there, there is like absolutely zero chance of you achieving any kind of physical health, right? Kind of look at achieving any kind of peak performance, any kind of weight loss goal, strength goal, whatever you think. If your mental health is not in check, there is no chance in hell that you're going to see any success in the avenue of physical health. And, you know, if you really think about it, like, you know, on those days, because I I would even consider days where you feel just blah and you don't have any energy and you just want to stay in bed all day, like, that's your mental health, like, popping its hand up, like, hey, you should fucking figure your shit out and not just 
stuff all your feelings down and never have them resurface. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, even small little things like that that just throw off your whole day, there's no motivation to go to the gym. There's no motivation to eat clean. Like, come on, right? Your mental health has a lot of control over what you do and can leave you crippled, alone, and just, you know, in one of those positions of why you're asking yourself, why do I feel like this? Why can't I get out of bed? Why do I not see any kind of purpose in life anymore? Why can't I just fucking live my life like I used to? Right? There is no thought process that goes through like, oh shit, I need to get my workout in today, I need to do this. No. No. So, this episode is going to be dedicated on reflecting on how your mental health is right now. If you're like me, you've probably gone through a couple, you know, breakdowns, but that's okay. You know, no one was prepared for what happened in this entire world. And we're starting to see some sort of um, light at the end of the tunnel here, but it's small. You know, I, the only thing, it's so weird, the only thing that's been really keeping me going, and it's like literally a string of hope, like a thread of hope that's making me like, okay, I can fucking do this, I can fucking do this, I can keep going, I can keep going, is the fact that I've been... You know, ever since my Disneyland trip back in November of 2019, I have been, like, planning my next trip to a point where when we shut down um, for the first time almost a year ago today, I literally bought tickets to fly out to Disneyland knowing that there was a risk that, you know, this pandemic could get worse, but I was like, oh... I'll go a year from now, so, like, November of 2020, which didn't happen, obviously, because Disneyland's been closed this whole fucking time. Um, I was like, oh, you know, after a year of this pandemic shit, like, that that should be enough time, but obviously it wasn't. And I've been literally reading every little piece of literature on the reopening plans on Disneyland, and any time there's some sort of good news, that's the one thing that pulls me back in or I feel like, okay, okay, I can get through this shit. And honestly, this, I don't know how, like, this is going to um, segue into your fitness and health, but that was literally the one thing that was kind of holding me on. And it's not so much like Disneyland itself but it's also spending time with my wife and being in an environment where you know you're highly you know um, what's the word am I looking for highly amused no that's not it but you know what I mean like you just have a lot going on and you're surrounded by a lot of happy people maybe some kids crying but that's okay um but the whole environment just kind of elevates your um, your mood, right? And that's literally the only thing that's been kind of keeping me going. And even this morning, when I woke up, I was like, oh, I got to check the updates on my on my Disneyland, and they just announced that 
one of the Disneyland hotels are going to be reopening for spring. I'm like, fuck, this is a good sign. This is a very good sign. And I really, 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 really hope. And I'm super optimistic that I'll be able to fly down and go to Disneyland for this November. You know, that's eight months from now. I really hope the world turns around by that time to uh, allow me to go back to Disney. So that being said, my example, find one thing that's going to pull you back. I feel like we're all kind of floating in this, like, purgatory of a life waiting for things to go back to normal but it's not happening anytime soon like it's not gonna like a week from now all the numbers are gonna go down for covid like it's gonna take some time so find that one thing that's gonna pull you out of this purgatory and hold on to that because that's gonna keep you sane and little things like that go a long way like for me like that's literally the only thing that's (laughs) keeping me going along with obviously like my dog and my wife and things like that but like something from the external world that makes you feel normal right like i had a a situation where my wife and i are like oh i really miss going to movie theaters and like getting popcorn and out where i am you can buy popcorn from theater with like Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes, whatever it is. So we decided to do that one time, and we had to go pick it up. We literally went into theater. It's like one dude working there, and it was the saddest thing I've ever seen or experienced. Like going into an empty movie theater. There's no music in the background. There's no like nothing. And I'm like, fuck. This is this is this was a wrong choice to do. Like I don't even want to see that. Like it doesn't even. It just made me feel worse, right? So it's like those small things. Like if, you know, movie theaters was your thing, like hold on to that. Like remember those moments to kind of keep you sane. And, you know, small things like that can go a long way. But, you know, in my experience, the best thing to do is literally get some help, right? Like people have this weird stigma against mental health, but like, fuck, come on, it's 2021, you need to get your shit together, like, go reach out for help, counselors, psychologists, they're all there, your fucking coach, like, you'd be surprised how many of my clients have been chatting with me about really, really personal things and how hard it's been with this freaking pandemic with their lives, and, you know, I do my best to, like, be empathetic But I'm like, I am not well-equipped enough to help this individual in front of me pouring their heart and soul out because they just can't deal with life right now. You know, like, it's a lot to take on, but there are trained professionals out there that can help. And I've had, like, a handful of psychologists or people in the psychology uh, field on my podcast, and they're all brilliant people. Sometimes it's just speaking out your truth having it out there and then someone connecting like two dots for you to give you some sort of closure or make you feel like you can like continue on so I'm gonna leave it there I think that was short and sweet to the point and will shed some light on what the hell's going on today again mental health is the gateway 
to every physical health goal you have. And I've seen it in the clinic a lot of times where people are dealing with injury, like aggressive injuries, and their mental health is not there, and they're doing all the right things of rehab, exercise, treatment, you name it, but there's just something blocking them, and it's usually that mental health piece. So don't forget to check on your mental health. Um, that's it for me. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram. Give me a five-star review. You guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time. What is up, my podcast listeners? This is your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski. And fun fact, every time that I post these podcasts on to Facebook and they have the generated um, transcript so you can read what I'm saying, I have to manually go in and change whatever they put together when I announce my first and last name. And it's usually just I get a bunch of question marks or they repeat the word the like three or four times. Um, So yeah, I have to manually always change my first and last name in the subtitles that Facebook generates. But anyway, today, it's Wednesday morning, time to get shit done. Um, We are going to go back onto the topic of nutrition. And I feel that so many people, and I've spoken about this topic before, but the big thing is that when people screw up, you know, their eating habits, their new diet, whatever it is, they fall into that whole all or nothing mentality, right? You know, you, you get that excitement of, oh, I'm going to start a new diet, I'm gonna start eating cleaner, I have like all my food ready to go, I prepped it, Monday went great, Tuesday went great, but Wednesday, you know, you woke up late, fucking alarm didn't go off, or you know, you just rolled out of bed one minute before me, before your Zoom call with the team, and you're like, fuck, I had no time to eat breakfast, I am starving, I have nothing like ready, and by the time you're able to eat, you end up going out for lunch and eating a shit ton more than you're supposed to, and then you go, you know what, I've already fucked up today on this meal, I'm just going to write off the rest of the day and just eat whatever I want and I'll start fresh tomorrow. And I, I get where people are coming from. It's like, I'm already in the hole. Why, you know, try to make the effort to get out of the hole and just continue going? It almost sounds silly. It's almost like if you were in a parking lot and you're like, oh shit, there's a speed bump. I'm gonna slow down, go over it slowly, and now I can resume my speed. Like it's literally, that, that's what happens if you fuck up on your eating. And people tend to forget, like, we're not perfect, right? Like, 
do you really think you are 100% perfect at work, at school, whatever you're doing? No. And the funny thing is, no one gives, like, you don't give a fuck if you're perfect at work or at school. You know, you strive to be, but you're not that type of person who's like, if I'm not 100% perfect, then I'm not going to be, like, I'm not even going to fucking try then. Like, it's, like, silly. And I've made this analogy where, you know, if you're in school and you're studying for an exam, test, whatever it is, and you get 81%, like, that's pretty fucking good. Like, damn. Like, you did you did great. But if you did 81% on your diet today or your clean eating or whatever it is that you chose to do for your next nutritional approach, most people are like, well, you know, I didn't get that last 19%, so I'm just going to let all hell break loose and go fucking eat donuts or whatever you want to do, right? It, it, it's silly to think that way, but for some reason with food, people have this weird attachment and con to the concept of like, if I am not perfect every single day, then it's not even worth it, right? And like, the typical thing is that you know, life does throw curveballs. And they can be small little things, but those small little things can change, like, so, so much um, when little things in your nutritional department change. And the perfect example is, like, you know, say you're, you're ready to follow your program, your plan, and you got invited out to lunch and you don't want to be a dick and be like, oh, actually, I can't because I'm on this whatever diet, clean eating. And you go, you know what? I'm going to go for lunch. I'm going to order something healthy and I'll still be good. And you know what? Not everyone has the best willpower. And let's say for this example, you end up like ordering the burger and fries and you're like, fuck, I fucked up. And you know what? I am just going to let this day slide and I'm going to start fresh tomorrow. And usually what happens is the next day comes and you're like, you know what? That burger was really good. I should have something else for breakfast or something like that for lunch. And it kind of trickles down. So the whole point of me rambling about this is like we need to get out of that construct of, you know, thinking that if we mess up just a little bit in one part of your day of eating you don't have to like throw your hands up to the air and like go oh fuck this I'm just gonna let everything burn from now on you know like when and, and it's funny too because people have this guilt too because when I was doing a lot of nutrition coaching and I still do by the way but uh, when I was doing a lot I remember clients like feeling guilty that they fell into temptation to have a burger, hot dog, nachos, whatever the fuck it was, and they would tell me, like, a child, you know, getting in trouble and have to confess what they did, and I'm like, why, why do you feel guilty? And they're like, oh, it's like, you know, it's bad for me to, like, eat out or whatever, I'm like, okay, but you know you're, in, you don't have to be, like... If people didn't have that feeling like, oh, this is a bad food for me, this is a bad meal for me, rather than like just think like, oh, this meal that I chose today is higher calories than normal, 
but I'm going to, you know, bounce back by my next snack, my next meal, whatever it is. Right? So when people ask me, like, oh, so, like, do you eat junk food? I'm like, yeah, fucking do. They're like, so, like, how do you, like, what do you do after? I'm like, nothing. I eat my next meal like a normal person. And usually that's what I'll do is, like, say I go out for lunch and it's higher calories than normal and it could be whatever it is a fucking burger pizza whatever it is and i go okay well i had more calories this meal i might skip a snack later and head right into my last meal of the day and maybe eat a little less to help balance things out is it rocket science no does it give me peace of mind and create a better relationship with food fuck yeah that's the ultimate thing with nutrition is you need to build a better relationship with food. Anytime I get a nutrition uh, coaching client and we talk about their nutrition, holy fuck, like we have some serious issues with food. Like almost every single person has some real fucking issues with food that we need to take care of. The biggest thing is people feel that one, there's bad foods out there. There isn't. There's just less nutritional value foods out there. Two, they've had so many bad experiences with diets and they think nothing's going to work. And, you know, like, people need to understand that losing fat is not an easy thing. It takes time. Like, a lot of time. And I've had a person recently asked me like so like what do you like tell clients for nutrition like what do you what do you get them doing like keto or like weighing their food and I'm like no I just get people to eat like adult food meaning protein and vegetables and limiting carbs like I've always said and moving their body every single day in some shape or form and doing that for at least a year and the weight will come off that's the thing, like, people need to understand that, you know, true fat loss, rather than giving yourself this, like, mindset of, like, I'm going to lose X amount of weight in 8 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, what you should do instead is go, I'm going to give myself a year of consistently trying, you know, sound habits of eating more clean, eating more protein, eating more vegetables, moving more, exercising more for one year. And that's it. That's literally it. There's no magic trick, but you know, people just assume that it needs to be so fucking difficult to change their body, but that's not that's not it. And I know it's easier said than done, but you also have to put in the work. Like things that have value in this life don't come easy, right? Everybody wants to make more money. But in order to do that, you need to put in more effort than your nine to five job. Do people want to do that? Probably not, <laughs> right? That's why not everyone is millionaires. Like it takes a lot of fucking work to get there. Nutrition and health are the same thing. Do you want to drop 20 pounds? Yeah, but you need to do more than what you're doing now. Or stop 
doing the old things that you were doing that worked before that were most likely fad diets and you just drop away quickly and that's all you wanted to do. So to kind of wrap this up, because I've been, I've been jumping all over the place, is you need to stop falling into the trap of like, if I'm not perfect every single day, there's no, there's no point. If I don't work out every single day, there's no point. If I am, you know, super busy at work and life, I'm going to wait until April of this year to start, in May of this year, and we're thinking, you know what, I'm really, really jam-packed with stuff the next couple months, I'm going to just start in the summer. Like, that kind of thinking is not going to get you anywhere. You almost need to just fucking grip down and go do it. You know, that, that's literally the first step, is just like taking that leap or you take that first step and just fucking do it. If it's either waking up earlier, staying up late to get shit done, you gotta do it. You just gotta do it. So I'm gonna leave it there. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you for always listening. Thank you for all my international listeners. So please hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram because I post a lot of video and picture content. And wherever you're listening, give me a five-star review so we can reach more people, help more people. And that is it for me. Until next time, you guys, fucking crush the day.